know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. AM 1420 WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here flying the ship solo because we are on for a special primetime edition of Spooky South Coast. Normally, we join you to talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night from 10 p.m. to midnight, but the Red Sox are playing in our place tonight, so we will be here with you for the next two hours. So, uh, you know, you don't really get to, you know, cozy up by the fire. Uh, You don't get to build a big bonfire in the backyard and sit around that listening to the show tonight. So you have to listen to us while the sun is shining and the birds are singing, but you could always, you know, record the show and play it back later when it's a little creepier out. And, uh, of course, you can always get the podcast as well. So that's the way to do it. I'm glad to be back here again. This is my second time in here today. Started off with the Tim Weisberg show this morning from 6 to 9 a.m., and I'll be here every Saturday morning. And, you know, we had some fun. That's what the idea of the Saturday morning show is going to be all about. It's uh, a chance to, you know, we'll react to the news of the week, and we'll talk about some of the big stories that are out there. But at the same time, I wanted to have a relaxed, laid-back Saturday morning feel. Like when we were kids, and we would just sit on the couch with a big bowl of cereal and watch cartoons. And that's how I've been billing myself. The human Saturday morning cartoon. But tonight, for the next two hours, all paranormal, all the time. That's what we're about. And the silent assassin, Matt Costa, uh, will not be with us tonight. He is working. And science advisor, Matt Moniz, uh, I guess he didn't get my text, (laughs) saying that we were on at 5 o'clock. So it's just me steering the ship. And we also have Spooky TV uh, at SpookySouthCoast.com. If you go to our website, you can see the in-studio cameras. Normally, we have multiple cameras, and we switch back and forth between them, and you can check out everything that's going on in the studio. But uh, tonight, we'll probably just have it right on the one shot of me because <laughs> I really have too much to do to keep switching back and forth. And uh, we're going to be joined in just a few minutes by our guest tonight, Dr. Rita Louise. She is a medical intuitive. She's a researcher, a writer, a paranormal investigator, and she is also the author of numerous books, including... The book that we'll talk mostly about tonight, Dark Angels, An Insider's Guide to Ghosts, Spirits, and Attached Entities. We're going to talk about attached entities. We're going to talk about demonics. We're going to talk about the negative side of the paranormal, the darker side of the paranormal, uh, the not-so-nice things that people tend to either overlook and not be concerned enough about. But then the other side of that, the downside of it, is that A lot of times people think that they're prepared to deal with these types of entities, and that may not be the case. So we'll talk about all that with Dr. Rita coming up in just a few minutes. I want to let everybody know out there that our Legend Trips event at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, it's going to be August 24th. And if you've never been to one of our Legend Trips uh, events before, it's basically everything that you'd ever want in a paranormal investigation. What we do is we bring everybody together, uh, the spooky crew here, and Jeff Belanger of Ghost Village in 30-odd minutes, and you know him as the writer and researcher of the TV show Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel. We put on these Legend Trips events at historic haunts around the area, and the Lizzie Borden one is by far our most requested trip. We do it twice a year, dead of summer and dead of winter. And dead of summer is coming up on August 24th, and what will happen is you'll come in, You'll get to check out the house a little bit for a few minutes while everybody's checking in. Then we bring everybody together. We have some lectures. We feed you dinner. You get a historic 
tour of the entire house, the actual historic tour that they take you on if you go there and, and purchase a ticket to the tour. Uh, so you get the full historic tour. And then once that's over, we break up into small, small groups, and then we investigate the entire building for about four or five hours. And there's only eight tickets left because what happened is we actually were able to uh, hold on to the entire night. Let me just see what's going on here. Hello, WBSM. Board of Health is requesting residents in the Manhattan Avenue area to be on the lookout of a possible rabid raccoon. Please do not approach or try to capture. Any raccoon or other wild animal acting in a strange manner should be reported to the Fairhaven Police Department at 508-997-7421. Thank you. Okay, that might have been meant for the machine. but Repeat this message. Press any key now. Now you have that announcement. Uh, And now we'll also make sure that the news department gets a hold of it. And so the Legend Trips events, you're going to get hours of investigation throughout the entire house and we're there with you there's a member of the legend trip staff on each floor and we bring our paranormal investigative equipment so that you have a chance to try it out and a lot of people bring their own and the lizzie borden house always always has phenomenal activity happening when we do these events so you're i i can't say we can guarantee you a ghostly experience but we can certainly uh, give you the tools that you would need to make one happen if it were going to happen and tickets are just $135, and they're available from legendtrips.com. Now, a portion of every Legend Trips ticket goes back to helping the historic locations where we hold our events. So we'll give a portion of all these tickets to the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, and they use that money for repairs and for upkeep. And uh, some of the other events that we've done, uh, for example, when we did Fort Tabor here in New Bedford, Fort Rodman, last October the money that we raised went toward keeping the heat on at the military museum for the entire winter. So instead of having to close or uh, find the money for the heat through their own funds, they were able to pay the fuel bill for the entire winter to be able to keep that museum open and then have people be able to come in and learn about the military history. And the Fearing Tavern in Wareham is another place where we hold an event every October, and they've used the money that we've raised for them to replace some of the floorboards in a building that was built in 1690. So that's the benefit of this. You're not only going and having a good time, but you're giving something back to these locations. And again, Lizzie Borden tickets are for sale on legendtrips.com for $135. I'm not supposed to let you know about this because we're in pre-sale mode right now for our next event. There's only eight tickets left for Lizzie Borden's. And once those eight tickets are gone, because we only can allow 25 people in the house, once those are gone, we are going to announce publicly the next event. Right now it's in pre-sale, which is only for people that are on the Legend Trips mailing list, which you can join by going to legendtrips.com and signing up for it, or by attending any of our events, and you're automatically put on the list. But the next event is going to be June 22nd at Fort Rodman Fort Tabor. We're going back for Supernatural Siege 2. And when we were there last October, oh my gosh, I had one of my most profound paranormal experiences in the Millican Battery, and who knows what's going to happen when we go back this time because now we know what to expect and we know what to look for. And instead of just being there for the first time, now we're going in there with a plan of attack trying to document the paranormal phenomena that takes place at Fort Rodman, Fort Tabor. So legendtrips.com is the website. Purchase those Lizzie Borden tickets right now so we can put the Fort Tabor tickets uh, on sale for the public. I can tell you right now in pre-sale, uh, we're already about a third of the way through uh, the available tickets. So it's amazing how much people want to get into that place. And maybe some of the spirits that we'll talk about there are some of these negative attached entities 
that we'll discuss with tonight's guest, Dr. Rita Louise. You know, it's it's almost like one of those situations where you don't want to talk about them because you're inviting them in. But best-selling author Dr. Rita Louise is the founder of the Institute of Applied Energetics and the host of Just Energy Radio. She is a neuro, excuse me, a neuropathic physician and a 20-year veteran in the human potential field. Her unique gift as a medical intuitive and clairvoyant illuminates and enlivens her work. She's the author of books such as Man Made, The Chronicles of Our Extraterrestrial Gods, Avoiding the Cosmos, 2x4, Dark Angels, An Insider's Guide to Ghosts, Spirits, and Attached Entities, and The Power Within. So joining us on the line is our guest tonight, Dr. Rita Louise, and I'm just going to bring her back up here. Hi, Dr. Rita, are you with us? Hello, Dr. Rita. Uh, hold on, I know what I did wrong. Hi, Dr. Rita, are you with us now? <laughs> no, the ghosts are... Ooh, it's spooky! Well, I gotta tell you, you know, it's it's... I came in here this morning. I did my, my new morning shift from 6 to 9, and I had a few little hiccups, but I was like, oh, going in for Spooky South Coast, I should be fine. I know how to do that show. I know how to run everything for it. But they told me a whole new way to work the Skype, and wouldn't you know it, it only took me uh, the first time using it to screw it up. Well, you know, my favorite line is technology. Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you do, though, because especially if you are in the paranormal investigation field, we have a lot of... Uh, a technology it used to be that we were adapting technology to use for this field and now we have people uh, that are out there creating it just for use in paranormal investigation so you know you do have to kind of keep technology in mind but as, as you mentioned in the book you know the best detector of ghosts is, is the human being exactly but you know to me it is just so exciting people that are you know looking at and starting to develop the tools to actually measure the energy, to measure the presence in a room because, you know, the belief is that ghosts aren't real and it's just a figment of our imagination. It's the wind or the air conditioning or the electrical wiring in a house. And it is individuals that are creating equipment, specialized equipment to detect, you know, this stuff, these ghosts that will take it from the room, the realm of the science fiction and woo-woo into something that's reality. And to me, that is so exciting. So exciting. You're a medical intuitive. So you are just naturally attuned to maybe some frequencies that other people block out. And by doing that, does that also open you more to the paranormal? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like working with, with a TV set and different channels. So Channel two might be I'm looking at what's going on in your physical body and channel four might be I'm looking at what's going on in your spiritual body and your aura and in your chakras. And then maybe channel 24 is I'm looking at the ghost that's in the room, you know, and so it's just about tuning into the right frequency band of where a ghost would exist versus something that is going on in your physical body or in your in your emotional self. It's really kind of interesting that way. I joke around and say, well, you know, and then I put my entity glasses on <laughs> and I had somebody actually ask me, well, where can you get those? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before uh, somebody figures out how to build them. Uh, there, I've noticed, too, that uh, there's a lot of paranormal investigators who want to use those new Google Glass uh, glasses uh, for paranormal investigation. So maybe somebody will 
put two and two together and realize, wait a minute, maybe if we can find that right frequency, we can make the glasses do all the work. Well, you know, it would be really cool. And I don't know how those Google glasses work. Actually, I just even heard about those this past week, um, you know, and then my whole little conspiracy theory mind turns on. It's like, OK, but now we're spying on each other. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but what would be really cool is if, you know, you could adjust that camera to do, you, have a you know, infrared or thermal left alone. and Visiting look around angels, the room and then America's have them come up on your, you know, eyeglass display. Citizens and be adults cool? to continue. Sorry, I just. My computer just fired off. I apologize. Uh, yeah, though, no, that would be awesome. Uh, the, but you're right. I do worry about them spying on what you're doing and, and uh, you know, everything that we have that gives us a GPS in our pocket, too, lets them know exactly where we are at all times. So there is that downside to it. But the plus side is it would be really cool to just have the Internet right in front of your face all the time. Yeah, but then I'd like be in Facebook all the time, and I, I just don't need it. I, you know, I won't even put it on my phone because I don't need it following me around everywhere. Oh, see, that's I don't even worry about that stuff. Uh, that that stuff, as far as I'm concerned, is is benign. It's it's the other stuff that I'm more worried about. It's when I type into Google, you know, and I, I I'm searching for things about aliens or, or government conspiracies. You know, that's when I know uh, the red lights going off at the CIA, and they're like, oh, Weisberg's at it again. <laughs> well, my husband's convinced we're on a list somewhere. You know, we do one of the, those shows, you know, because I have my own show. And so it's like, you know, well, we have one of those shows and he's just waiting for the black choppers to show up around our house. And I'm like, well, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, and if it does, I mean, then, you know, you've made it. Well, can I share this story? When we moved into this house, we were sitting outside. It was a gorgeous summer day and we were sitting so outside we in the middle of the night I don't want to say in our underwear, but, you know, not a whole bunch more. OK, and we're, we're out there and this chopper is coming overhead. And I'm like, oh, God, they're after us. It's the black choppers coming after us. And I'm I'm waving you know, like, hey, we're right here. Um, apparently there was a, some kind of a murder that happened down the street or, you know, something really bad. And they were, you know, searching for them. But that was our first thought. Hey, the black choppers are here for us. And there's been a lot of them in this area uh, over the last uh, week or two. So, you know, I'm sure they're listening in on our conversation tonight. So now how long have you you've had these uh, encounters, as you describe in the book, with entities uh, throughout your life? And at what point did you start to realize that you were dealing with some of these who weren't exactly nice characters? Like, how did you start with the discernment of knowing when you're dealing with a ghost or when you're dealing with an attached entity? Oh, oh, good question. Well, mm, all right, I have to think. No one's ever asked me that question. <laughs> um, when I, I went to the Berkeley Psychic Institute, and um, one of the things that would happen was they would talk about these attachments. And I remember uh, doing readings because they had um, like this huge psychic fair every month that you were required to go do readings at. And, you know, periodically there someone would come in and they'd have some weird thing on them or around them. I, I remember this one woman and she had like this little midget clown sitting on her shoulders and I'm talking to her about it and I'm thinking, God, this is really weird because it was kind of one of my first experiences with an attached entity. And I'm thinking, God, this is really weird. And I, you know, she's got this clown thing, I, you know, and I didn't really know what to make of it. 
And I got done talking. She goes, you know, I just had a reading in this booth over here, and they pretty much told me the exact same thing. Wow. You know, so you there was it was really validating that <laughs> that I wasn't going a little cuckoo. Um, and so I think when you are doing things, actually, I know when you're doing things on an intuitive level, if you're open to receiving it, then you then the possibility is out there. You know, there's that story of when the Spanish Spaniards came to the New World and the uh, Native Americans couldn't see the ships off the coast, you know, because it was not something that was in their awareness. And so by having that experience and others that followed, you know, it opened my awareness to that being a possibility and moved from being invisible to being present. So when you are dealing with these negative entities, uh, do you have to approach them differently in, in your work uh, as, as a researcher and as an intuitive? Do you have to approach them differently than you would uh, any other spiritual being? Can they communicate with you on the same level or do they not play by the rules? Um, they will commute. Well, it depends. I mean, because there's a couple of different kinds. Um, you know, the majority of them will communicate because, I mean, they're the majority, again, are people that used to have bodies at some point in time that are still hanging around the earth. And so in that respect, they are ghostly. Um, the big difference between what what I call an attached entity and a ghost is an attached entity is associated with an individual where a ghost might be is more associated with a location. I mean, they might be tied to an individual, but there's a much more personal relationship between an attached entity and an individual versus someone that is more of a ghost because the attached entities usually have an agenda and they don't really they're you know they're like the giant conspiracy. They they don't want you to know what their agenda is. And so they tend to hide um, they they don't make themselves into a nuisance in a home um, uh, because they want to control and manipulate the individual versus they want to just kind of bug everybody in the house. So, I mean, it's a different kind of relationship. But for the most part, they, you know, they're people, you know, and so when you have people, you can communicate with them. Um, where you start running into some issues is if you have these entities that are, and I'm going to say non-human. I mean, I've dealt with entities that were um, alien, extraterrestrial. Oh, wow. They did not take on humanoid form. And when you try to communicate with them, you know, <laughs> and the best way I can say it is like they don't speak English. They don't speak human. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't have the same kind of feelings that we do. And so you can't even really tap into their emotional energy and kind of you know, communicate on just feeling levels with them because they don't get it or whatever they're feeling and experiencing. It's not part of our human experience to understand. It, it's almost like um, even though we consider them to be and you consider them in the book uh, to be a lower uh, lower level of existence uh, than some of these other spirit entities that you talk about. Uh, it's almost like they must feel like we're beneath them. You know, we must be playthings for them. Well, I think so. You know, and it's not that I think that they're lower 
level, you know, as far as like who they are, their personality, mm-hmm. um, I think that they tend to be more negative because they, they haven't had the human experience. And so they really are just there for their agenda and they kind of don't care about us. That has been my experience or it's difficult to communicate with them to find out what they really want. We are talking with Dr. Rita Louise, and uh, we're talking about negative entities. And, of course, we can talk about all kinds of uh, ghostly phenomena as well. And you can give us a call if you have any questions, 508-996-0500, You can also jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. Email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or shout out with your question on Twitter at SpookySC. And I'm going to try and do my best to monitor all that. Normally, we have three people here in the studio with me, Dr. Rita, so I can you know, check all those different things. But I'm going to do the best I can uh, to keep up with it throughout the course of the show. Uh, okay. In the book, you talk about how you know, ghosts and angels, these other beings might be around us, but they don't penetrate our auras, but that these attached entities do. And that's how they become intertwined with us. Uh, how exactly does that happen? How do we leave ourselves open to that? I mean, usually it's not that we leave ourselves open to it, you know, and this sounds really bad, but we inadvertently invite them in. Hmm. Um, And and that kind and that sets up some kind of an agreement between the individual and the entity. And so the easiest way of creating this relationship um, and the one that I think most people will get is when people have some kind of an addiction issue, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or gambling or sex or computer, um, they will, you know, and, and people really get the alcohol connection. You know, there are those people that they're really nice and then you put some booze in them and they become jerks. And it's not that it's that person that is a jerk. It's because the door opens up to let the entity in and it's really the entity talking and the entity acting and many times if asked those individuals don't really remember or only have a vague recollection of what transpired it really is uh when you think about how much of our our existence in the spiritual realm is out of our control and how much of it is uh, subject to attack, it doesn't surprise me that uh, there's a lot of people in this world that I encounter on a daily basis that I start to scratch my head and I, I read a book like yours and I start to wonder if maybe, you know, they don't have that type of affliction happening to them that there isn't. You know, you know how you know somebody for a long time and then all of a sudden they just don't seem like the same person anymore? That maybe this could be the case as to why. I mean, it's it's definitely possible. Um it's also hard, though, too, because you don't want to become an armchair psychologist and use the paranormal to explain everything away. <laughs> but it is fun. No. <laughs> well, I think most people would rather believe it's an attached entity than any kind of uh, psychological disorder. Well, I mean, there are issues that, you know, psychological issues that I Hello? believe are uh, direct results owner. of an entity attachment. Help me with my website? You know, but the... The signs and symptoms that are associated with an entity attachment tend to be very specific and extremely characteristic over and over, especially if it's the, you know, the non-corporeal being type. When you get into those alien ones, things kind of change, you know, but they're 
they're a really small percentage. You know, I would say that there are they are twenty percent or less. You know, so even in in the ghost hunting world, you know, you have your residual hauntings, and then you have your active or intelligent hauntings, and the percentage of the intelligent hauntings is vastly smaller than the residual hauntings. And in the same way, the number of these alien entities being a cause of attachment, you know, it's kind of about the same proportion. You know, it's like one in 20. You know, it's hmm. not that, you know, they happen, but it's not every other person, you know. So it, it you have a lot less reference points to to deal with. Um I was going somewhere, but I forget. So move along. <laughs> That's all right. That happens to me all the time. Well, why don't we take a break? When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more with our guest, Dr. Rita Louise. We can also take your calls and questions. I know there's probably a lot of people out there who are hearing the show for the first time because we're on so much earlier than we normally are. We'd love to have you join in the discussion. 508-996-0500, Perhaps you've had an encounter with some sort of negative entity and you'd like to share it with us. Dr. Rita is the person to talk to and uh, we'll try and do our best to help you out as we can. But we want to hear from you. Again, 508-996-0500, We'll be back with more in just a few minutes here on Spooky Self. Hey man, you up? No. Wake up, I need to talk to you. I think your house is haunted. Hey, come on, it's 2.30 in the morning. I can't sleep in here, man. Scared. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here with you flying the ship solo tonight. The science advisor, Matt Moniz, and the silent assassin, Matt Costa, not with us this evening, this afternoon. Uh, I guess, you know... They didn't get the text. Well, I know Matt Koss is working, but I guess Moniz is otherwise, uh, and, you know, and I'm not surprised either because I found out this week from following along with Moniz on Facebook that there is actually uh, a UFO flap that happened in our hometown in Wareham this week, uh, complete with MUFON cases. So I would not be surprised if Moniz is out there and he is researching some of these ufo cases and he'll bring that information back to the program i just really wish uh that i had bothered to call him and just remind him <laughs> that we were on the air at five o'clock but we are having a great discussion with our guest tonight dr rita louise check out her web- website RitaLouise.com, and it's also linked up right on the front of SpookySouthCoast.com. For those of you who are new to the show, hearing us for the first time, if you go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, or if you go to WBSM.com, you can get to our site, and you will see that we have a, a slideshow on the front page that goes through some different features about our site, and we always have the guest of the week's information up there, so you can click on that and follow through to their website, purchase their books, and uh, find out more about them and whatever what other uh, products and services that they offer. And at the same time, that's also the place to go to for Spooky TV, where you can see what's going on on the cameras here in the Spooky Studio. And you can see uh, my ugly face right now because we were only running the one camera. But we also have a lovely picture of Dr. Rita that I keep putting up there as well. And 
you can also get the Ustream video, um, the which is the video feed that we use for Spooky TV. You can get the YouTube video that we archive following the show. And we also podcast the program uh, on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. We've been doing this show now for, for over seven years. And in that time, uh, we've pretty much infiltrated every podcast service that's out there. So wherever you go to get your podcasts, you will be able to find Spooky South Coast. So let's get right back into the discussion about attached entities with Dr. Rita. And, you know, Dr. Rita, you do a lot of uh, investigation with Metroplex Paranormal, and I'm sure that when you go into these locations, you're leaving yourself open uh, to be bringing something home with you, to have one of these uh, entities attach themselves to you. Uh, do you go through some sort of protection uh, ceremony, as some investigators do, before you go into an investigation? No, I don't do anything. I am so not compliant. You know, but I also don't. That's awesome as far as I'm concerned. But I also don't have the belief that we can pick up an entity that's going to attach to us in the way that I talk about attached entities, um, you know, kind of like a piece of toilet paper on the bottom of your shoe, (laughs) you know, and just bring it home with you. I mean, I've had, excuse me, I've had things follow me home, which (laughs) I have a couple of really good stories. Um, But when you're talking about an attached entity and how they try to control and manipulate your energy field, you can't just pick one up by indirect contact. You know, so people that do do ghost hunting and and stuff like that, it's not something you need to worry about. Because And even, you know, there's a lot of people that go, well, what about a Ouija board? And my observation and experience has been, that if you're just using it for an investigation and you're goofing around with it, that's one thing. But if you're using it in the same way that you could use any tool of divination and you're asking and you're begging the spirits to provide you with divine guidance and then you utilize it, (coughs) that's when you start running into problems. I mean, I have worked with some individuals who have done miscellaneous things, not not Ouija boards. I think most people <laughs> have learned to steer clear of those, um, but automatic writing or they, um, you know, have heard, oh, well, if I call my angels in, you know, they'll protect me. But what you find is if someone is in a really bad emotional place, you know, they, they just got dumped in a relationship or a family member dies, you know, you're in that just not good place. And then you say, oh, I want my angels to come in and help me and support me and guide me through this challenging time. You might draw to you a spirit that is a higher vibration. But I mean, if you think about it, if you're on a scale of one to 10, if you're only a one and there are four, obviously they're going to look better. than where you are but if your normal place is that you're at about a seven you know once you move out of that kind of dark night of the soul this entity is going to be in a very negative space for you now when there are uh there are a lot of people probably who are on a very low vibration you know i think that before uh, i started getting involved in the paranormal I'd always had experiences, but I think before I decided to really open myself up to it and pursue it as a passion, I was probably on a much lower vibration. You're in your car, alone, and I in think the that what's happened is that it's actually happened over the years. I've I've gone up, 
in, in mm-hmm. where I am. And so I'm sure there are a lot of people that are out there um, on a day-to-day basis who don't pay attention to the paranormal world. Are, are they more susceptible because they're not as aware and as attuned as, as those of us who are into the field might be? Not really, but I mean, you bring up a very valid and interesting point that is, is it's a great point. When we, okay, and, and let's back up and get a little technical here. Our auric field, the, the energy field around our body is our personal space. And so when we have good energy, when we feel positive, when we feel strong on the inside, which it sounds like that's kind of what you were talking about, you know, where your energy vibrates better, vibrates higher. It really does strengthen our boundary because we say, this is me and this is who I am. And we have self-love and respect for who we are and what we want and what we think. I mean, it doesn't mean that we're nasty or, you know, big headed, but we love ourselves and it becomes much more challenging for those spirits to enter. But if we have very low self-esteem, I mean, I've seen that happen a lot, very low self-esteem or some other thing where our vibration is very low or really where we can be easily manipulated, even on energetic levels, that's where people tend to experience more problems. I mean, I have worked with um, several individuals who they didn't have the attached entity, but they interacted with someone who had the attached entity, you know, with a spouse or, I mean, a parent that they lived with, you know, or lived with them. And they were constantly being bombarded, but their self-esteem was so low that they really couldn't do anything to kick them out. Hmm. And that's, what, what can you do when you're in that kind of a situation? You know, it's about learning to love yourself. I mean, you know, there's a lot of sometimes there's a lot of self therapy <laughs> that yeah. needs to happen. And I think people overlook that fact, uh, you know, when they're dealing with something like this. Uh, a lot of people feel like uh, the, the paranormal exists outside them. So therefore, these entities exist outside them, which they do. But they, they like to think that they're a, a victim and that they didn't play any kind of a role. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, like I said, there is always some kind of agreement. Now, with people that have the really weak energy field, you know, the entities aren't theirs, you know, but they're, they're, they're so unprotected mm-hmm. that they're just being affected by what's going on around them. You know, and so that's kind of one category. It's like they're not the one with the entity attachment. The other person is, and the entity is just kind of bashing them on the top of the head all the time. Um, And so those people are easy to fix. Get them out of that environment. Do a lot of work with them so that they can build up who they are and just be like, no. But their self-esteem is so low that they can't even, like, get out of that situation. You know, and so they, they just get stuck. And I, I want to take a step back a little bit here, too, because we have a, you know, normally when we're on in our normal 10 o'clock time slot, I take it for granted that the people that are listening are our regular spooky South Coast family. And so they're kind of following along in the journey with us week to week. And they are, you know, just as informed as, as we are when it comes to these topics. But being here on in a different time, we're probably catching a lot of people that are scratching their heads and saying, well, wait a minute, what's the difference between one of these attached entities 
and a ghost. And there is a profound difference between the two, right? Well, I mean, on some levels, there is a profound difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, to me, you know, and I'm not going to talk about the alien kind. I'm just going to talk about your basic regular role attached entity. I mean, energetically speaking, they're the same. They're okay. being without a body that hang around. The biggest difference is that these attached entities try to live vicariously through specific individuals who allow them in. And so they will sit in the background. We'll go back to the alcohol addiction issue. They will sit in the background just outside the auric field with these individuals and go, hey, don't you want another drink? You know, that gin and tonic, wouldn't that taste pretty good? Well, I, I, you know, I know you're quitting, but just one, it would be okay. And they will entice them and kind of put the idea in front of their face that they will go and indulge so that the entity can just step right into the auric field. So they could be those voices in the back of their head that they like to blame for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. You know, I do what the voices tell me. But that's kind of the case. It When someone has an attached entity, they are usually the last person to realize what the issue is. Mm. Usually someone else will say, you know, when this and this happened, it really wasn't you or there was something else going on. I mean, I do a lot of work with entity release uh, with clients. And when I get the phone call that says, well, my life sucks and this and this and this. And, you know, I only have, you know, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have luck at all. And and I must have an entity attachment. To me, that's the number one flag that they probably don't. Now, if they said this is what I'm experiencing and I had someone say to him, say to me, you know, you're possessed. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, it's not coming from them. I mean, unless they're a, a more advanced person, you know, I mean, I have people that I work with that, you know, have been on their spiritual path for a long time, have been ghost hunting for a long time. And so they they have a better information, a broader information base, you know, where then I start asking very specific questions about what they're experiencing. Um, but for the most part, you know, they say that. If you think you're crazy, you're not. You're probably not. But if you don't think you're crazy, but you do these really weird things, you know, you probably got something going on. Same thing with entity attachments. It, because we think that those voices in the back of our head are our voice. Right. And you know, is it possible that they can, uh, you know, they can mimic what would be our normal thought pattern so that we're we're kind of convinced it is ourself talking to ourself? You know, can they get so much inside your brain that you cannot differentiate that it is a, a separate voice from your own, a separate um, message from th than coming from within? That's what makes them be bad. Yeah. I mean, because when they're in our auric field, our auric field is our personal space. And so when they step inside of it, we automatically assume that whatever is going on in there is us and is ours. So there are thoughts, you know, it's not, you know, it's not the voice of a spirit guide that's kind of talking over your shoulder, you know, or some other thing. It's like the belief is, is that it is our thought. It is our feeling. It is, it, it, it's us. It's me.
And that's the part that, you know, is the kind of conspiracy theory because they like being covert. They like making you think that it is you, (laughs) which is the bad part. And so if you think it is you, then why would you think there was something wrong? Well, I always have. I've always thought that way. Or when I drink, I've always had these feelings or always acted that way. And so you just kind of blow it off as this is part of my behavior. And, you know, I only do this when I drink. I only do this when I follow this type of behavior. It's 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 almost like uh, you start to see the pattern of it's because you become under the influence of this entity uh, while you're giving into that temptation. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you know, but oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. You know, but for people that have addiction issues, you know, the way to break that contract is to not indulge in the addiction. Unfortunately, that is not the most common place where entities attach. It's it's pretty common, but is not the most common. Ah. The most common place where entities attach is in childhood. Really? From that early on? And individuals that have had an entity attachment from the time they were, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever, however old you are, um, you have lived with this thing your whole life. And so why would you think it was going to be some other way? Because it's part of your reality. Right. This is who I am. And and your defenses are probably less. Uh, you're you're definitely at a higher vibration when you're a child and, and you're more innocent. Uh, so I can see why you'd want to kind of jump on that ride early. Well, I mean, usually, well... I don't even want to say usually. My experience has been is that these entities attached to children that are in abusive households, that are, you know, sexually abused, that experience extreme neglect. And what happens is that the child looking for attention, the child looking for someone to save them, kind of like the adult calling in their their angels to protect them will inadvertently call in an entity. I mean, you know, if you're five, like you're thinking about, oh, I might be calling in an entity. I mean, you don't think about it. And um, and the entity, I mean, it creates, especially in a child, a very dysfunctional relationship. The entity helps that child survive. So, for example, and I'm going to give an extreme case, um, you hear stories of women that have been sexually molested as a child and they have no conscious memory of the abuse. And it's because they have disassociated from their body. So they just kind of mentally check out during the time that it's going on. And the entity literally comes in and pretty much takes over the body. And so... You know, from a ghost point of view, it's almost like the child is being possessed by the spirit who who deals with it and takes care of it. And um, and then when the situation is over, the child comes back, reasserts itself in it, in its body and its auric field, and they kick the spirit back out. Hmm. Well, why don't we take our final break of the hour, real quick? And when we come back on the other side, I'm going to ask you what might be a loaded question, considering that we only have a about six minutes left before we have to take a break for the news. But uh, we'll do that coming back in just a second with more with Dr. Rita Louise and also your questions, 508 996 1-877-996-1420. Be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. 
It blew books off shelves from 20 feet away and scared the socks off some poor librarian. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. This looks extraordinarily bad. <laughs> And as I mentioned to our guest, Dr. Rita Louise, before we took that break, I am going to ask a loaded question before we go into the network news break. And that would be, what is the difference, Dr. Rita, then, if we're talking about the difference between uh, a ghost and one of these attached entities, is there a difference then between an attached entity and a demon? Okay. Um this is my definition, okay, and not everybody agrees with my definition, but this is my definition, um, is that I consider a demon, you know, because there are different levels in which the entity will interact with us. And so your basic attached entity, they'll come into the auric field kind of like, you know, when you get drunk and they'll do whatever they're going to do and then you sober back up and they leave. They, they exit the auric field and you become you again. And so... For most people, you know, they'll come in, spend a day, maybe a week, and then you kick them back out, you know, because you become whole again. Um, but not for everybody. There are individuals that I've worked with that had very secure entity attachments and they experienced, they exhibited certain, and I'm going to say psychological issues because they couldn't get the entity out of their space. But when you start talking about these alien entities, I have experienced, okay, this is not very often, but I have experienced this, these alien entities that actually will kind of take up residence in a person's auric field or in their body. I mean, it's almost like a full-blown possession. All right, it is a full-blown possession. Mm -hmm. And they they just can't get rid of them. And they're constantly being bothered by this entity. You know, and so that's, to me, where the demons come in because, you know, it fits all the characters. It's there tormenting the person. It does not look human. Um, and it has an agenda all of his own. You know, and so that's what I classify as a demon, not any stray um, entity that might be bothering you. You know, I mean, in a very, um, I'm going to say religious perspective, you know, basically anything that is not an angel is a demon. You know, I don't agree with that viewpoint and that philosophy. Sure. Well, we'll pick up uh, this discussion more on the other side because I want to get in, into it with you about uh, all these groups that are out there now. It's been the latest trend over the last few years. Uh, certain groups will take on the demonic cases, and they'll have a, a demonologist who is a quote-unquote trained demonologist, which usually just means they read a book, uh, or they might be a certified demonologist, which means they bought somebody's DVD. You know, so there's all these different... Uh, attributions that people are giving themselves and feeling like they are armed to go up against these negative type entities. So coming up in the next hour, I want to talk more about that, more about just the layman, people who don't have your abilities and, and your intuitiveness trying to go to bat against you. And uh, we'll talk about that coming up in the next hour. Uh, and we'll also take your calls, 508-996-0500, 1420 You can also email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. Tweet us at SpookySC. 
and you can also jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. Normally, it's a happening place on a Saturday night. We've got uh, 20 to 30 people in there chatting back and forth, sometimes about the show, sometimes not about the show. But uh, they're having fun, and, and they've built a nice little community in the chat room there. But tonight, it's lonely. It's just Dr. Rita and I in there. So if you want to jump in, then do so. And uh, we'll also welcome your questions through that method as well. So, again, during the break, if you want to check out Dr. Rita's site, just go to RitaLouise.com. It's also linked up on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com, which you can get to on WBSM.com. And it's also on my blog, the Spooky South Coast blog at WBSM.com. We'll be back with more in just a minute here on Spooky South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome in our number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here by myself, the science advisor, Matt Moniz, and the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Not with me tonight. Somebody didn't get the message. <clears throat> Moniz, that the show was on early. But uh, we are still here, and we are talking with our guest, Dr. Rita Louise, who she's been on the show before, and uh, we always enjoy talking with her. And if you've missed her previous appearance on the show, you can check it out by downloading the podcast uh, through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have the archives on SpookySouthCoast.com as well. And if you're out there listening and you're just tuning in WBSM, and you missed the first hour of the show, everything will be podcast. We put it right up there. It's free. It's easy to download, especially if you sign up through iTunes. It'll automatically download to your iTunes account uh, every time there's a new episode, which we try to get them up. Uh, again, normally we're on Saturday nights from 10 to midnight. So I usually try to have the show uploaded before I even leave the studio. Uh, so it's waiting for you Sunday morning when you wake up. And, of course, there's also the YouTube version as well if you want to watch the show. And I've been uh, trying to change the cameras as much as I can working by myself, but sometimes I've missed. But there's always something on the screen. Uh, so you don't have to look at my face the entire time, I promise. And uh, again, thank you to everybody who joined us this morning for the first edition of The Tim Weisberg Show. Every Saturday morning, 6 to 9 a.m., we'll be here having some fun. So be sure to tune in and check us out. If you have anything that you'd like to talk about on Saturday mornings, any kind of community events that you want me to be aware of, just send me an email, tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. That's the way to get a hold of me uh, pretty much any time. That Twitter, at Tim Weisberg, uh, Facebook.com slash the other Tim Weisberg, because there's a guy who plays the flute who's much more famous than I am. So those are the ways to get a hold of me, so feel free to do that. Coming up next week, we'll be back on at our regular 10 p.m. time slot. Uh, we're still working on a few things for next week. Hopefully, if it works out, I'm waiting to hear back from uh, what will be a, a very big guest. But we also have a very big guest here with us tonight, Dr. Rita Louise, and we are talking about negative entities, those bad boys of the paranormal. And we were talking a little bit about demons uh, at the end of the first hour and the difference between these attached entities and the demonic. And Dr. Rita, being an investigator and being somebody who deals with these types of beings, uh, what is your thought on the fact that there are so many quote-unquote amateur demonologists out there running around as part of these paranormal groups that have sprung up over the years? I mean, I know a number of people that are demonologists. There are a couple of people that if I felt like I was in a situation where I was dealing with one of these nasties, personally, 
I don't like dealing with the nasties. Oh, me either. Okay? I, I don't. I'm not that kind of a person. I definitely have more of a psychological, you know, make love, not war kind of energy and would rather reason with them. But some of them, you cannot. I mean, just flat. You cannot. Um, and so calling in the big guns, you know, I know a couple of guys that if I need a big gun, they are who I would call. Mm-hmm. What I find very interesting, however, is my experience has been, I, you know, you run across them every so often. So why do we need like 500 of these guys running around? Right. I mean, unless there is some upsurge or break in the veil that has happened that I'm not aware of, um, I don't know where they're finding enough demons <laughs> Yeah, to last, go fix. Last time I checked, Gozer hasn't exactly shown up in the middle of Manhattan yet. So, you know, there's still the uh, possibility that uh, a lot of these armchair demonologists are running into these cases thinking that they're dealing with a demon when they're probably just dealing with more than likely a ghost that's just not happy. Exactly. And I mean, there are... I like to say it this way. I like to say it this way. You know, ghosts are people too, and sometimes they're just not very nice people. Eh, and so and so if you are a nasty, mean drunk in life, you're gonna be a nasty, mean drunk in the afterlife too. But that doesn't make you a demon. You know, or at that level of demon energy. I mean, from an experiential point of view, that demon, <clears throat> you know, in the ghost side, not the attached entity side, but on the ghost side of that demon thing, it's kind of like dealing with someone who is in a huge rage. You know, like they go from being angry to turning into the Incredible Hulk, you know, and you can't calm them down and they're just constantly inflamed and not really in control you know and that's and that's when you need to have someone that's going to go in there and go i don't think so and be very firm yet loving yet i'm not going to take your crap you know and i can do that again to a certain extent like i can deal with the nasty ones I work for a military contractor, a woman working for a military contractor in a management position. Trust me, I can handle those cranky old guys. You know? <laughs> but sometimes, you know, it's even beyond what I can do. And I, I mean, I freely admit that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really like to touch demonic cases at all if I can help it. Uh, I don't know what my own personal belief system is. So therefore, I feel like I'm not spiritually strong enough. Uh, to confront something like this. But when I do have cases that I suspect uh, might be demonic in nature from what people are reporting to me, I usually turn them over to, well, first I I may turn them over to my co-host, Matt Moniz, who's been doing this for for over 30 years. And he may go and kind of vet out the case a little bit first before we even take it another step. But otherwise I'll call Keith Johnson, uh, the demonologist uh, from TAPS and and uh, w- who was on Paranormal State as well. And, and he's locally here with us. Uh, we're in the southern end of Massachusetts. He's in Rhode Island. So I know that whenever I get a case around here, you know, he'll, he'll be there to help them out as much as his schedule permits. So it's good that you can have that network of it. But a lot of these people don't 
even take that step. They feel like they're on the same level as people who have studied this and who have been doing this for many years just because, you know, they got out into the field, they got their feet wet, they didn't have anything bad happen, they didn't get possessed, so therefore they must be a really good demonologist. Well, you know, they have some holy water, so it's all good. Right. That's all you need, right? <laughs> that's right. Some holy rosary. water. You know, and there are the way, I mean, this is my personal opinion, um, but there, I have seen a couple of people work that I, you know, have not been so thrilled with. And please no nasty cards or letters, but I'm sorry, just because you say Jesus's name doesn't mean that the ghost is going to respond. Right. And even if it does respond, it doesn't mean that it's a demon. It just means that maybe, you know, it has a reaction to, to the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, one of the things that I've always found fascinating, too, about these uh, people who go into this is they'll incorporate a variety of different um, theologies in their work. And they don't – I mean, it's one thing if you do it intentionally. You know, I know a lot of lay demonologists who will uh, factor in a lot of the belief systems of different religions because they feel like that might be the most effective. They can't be sure that they're dealing with, you know, say, Pazuzu, so they might not – you know, go that same route that they would have if uh, they were dealing with another entity. But there are some people who just, you, you can kind of tell that what they know about demons they learned from watching horror movies because they're bringing in such a mix of different things. You know, like uh, somehow all of a sudden, you know, the, the Catholic doctrine of, of demonology uh, is now interspersed with voodoo and, you know, and it just gets muddled up. And I think that that's actually uh, causing probably more damage than whatever they're trying to cure. Well, and, and one of the other things that I feel is that if you're going to work as a demonologist, I, I think you have to have like a certain amount of psychic ability to be able to see the demon and interact with the demon. I mean, I think that would be kind of important or else you're just going in and saying a bunch of stuff with absolutely no intention behind it. I mean, it's kind of like trying to, and I'm trying to think of an example, you know, go and you know, do an energy session. No, that's not it. Well, I, I think you know what I mean. You know, it's like you're just going in and you're just like repeating these words or doing this ritual, mm -hmm. but there's not any validity behind it. I mean, like I said, I've seen people go in and they do these rituals, but they're not connected energetically with the entity. They're not communicating to the entity. They're not telling the entity to go away, you know, in a I'm staring you in the eyes kind of way. They're just kind of like saying these words in the air, which to me, anybody can do that. Right. It's a, to them, it's just a recital. It's a performance of what they've studied. And they, they're not really, uh, they're not, I don't want to say invested into it. They're not emotionally involved. They're, they're trying to just put on a show. But see, they're not taught. I mean, I, um, are you familiar with Reiki? The, oh, yeah. The, okay. And so, and for your listeners, I mean, Reiki is a form of energy medicine. It's a form of hands-on healing that came out of the East. And it's not that we're going to talk about Reiki per se. Um, but the way that Reiki is taught is they will tell you, you put your hands on the person and you hold them there for five minutes. Okay, and what, you know, 
I mean, I've been doing this work a long time. I took Reiki long after I had already started practicing. And I'm like, okay, but you're not teaching them to do anything. You know, you're teaching them to put their hands on somebody. And even though it can have impact and have some kind of effect, the effect is extremely minimal because you're not really teaching them the core of what needs to happen. And I feel like the same thing happens with some of these demonologists is that they learn a technique, but they don't get there's a a definite energetic aspect to it. I mean, it's kind of like smudging. People will go with their thing of sage and they'll wave it around the room and then they go, well, I don't understand why it doesn't work. And it's like, well, because you just waved it around the room. You know, there there's a ritual to it. There is a level of intention. There's a level of connecting with the space that you have to achieve. That's why it, there's the ritual. You know, because that is what invests you mentally and emotionally into I am here to clear this negative entity or this negative energy and I am going to watch it leave the room on the smoke. You know, but there is this connection to watching it move and feeling it go versus I'm waving this smoky thing around. I mean, you could just walk through your house lighting, smoking a cigarette for the same effect. I mean, it's... Um. <laughs> and it, it probably would uh, – I might offend the demon more than anything. Uh, Unless they were a smoker and then they'd be like, man, I wish I could have a drag. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, <laughs> let me possess you real quick so I can get the nicotine hit. <laughs> right. Well, we are talking with our guest, Dr. Rita Louise. If you have any questions about the darker side of the paranormal, give us a call, 508 996 500 one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty to call in toll free, and you know, with all that said, Doctor Rita, about these uh, demonologists that are popping up all over the place, uh, I want to say almost like weeds, you know, but as as they're popping up more and more, th- that's not to say that they couldn't become legitimate demonologists if they put in the work and they put in the time. Oh, exactly. I, I used to run a psychic fair <laughs> like a million years ago, and. Um, you know, it, it was a blessing to me because I had a group of readers that were there every month. And so I didn't I never really had turnover. I kicked one person out. That was the extent of my turnover. I kicked one woman out because progressive presents I had issues with her. We'll just say that. And um, but I would get calls or, you know, I do a lot of trade shows and conferences and stuff. And people would come over because kind of everybody knew who I was because I ran the psychic fair. And they're like, hi, I took this tarot class. Can I come and read at your fair? And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, go get, you know, 10 or 20 years of experience and come back and talk to me. Right. And as as more and more uh, books and instructional DVDs are popping up, you know, everybody, it's, it's good that everybody can kind of tap into these abilities at home. But that doesn't mean that you're ready to suddenly take it out to market. Uh, there's a lot more that goes into it. I see it all the time with people uh, who form paranormal groups and feel like they're ready to just start putting themselves out there and offering homeowners help with whatever might be plaguing them. And it's like, you know, you don't realize. Like, you know, these events that we do called Legend Trips, it might be a good idea to actually buy a couple tickets to some of those, to have a, a buffer between you and the other side, rather than just throwing yourself in it. Find a, a similar event. Find these public ghost hunts that you can go on. Uh, find out if you can go and investigate the local town hall. Just anything to get your feet wet before 
you are putting yourself in a position where you're going to be uh, the conduit between a person and understanding their paranormal problems. And when talking about demonologists, this does not mean that there are not individuals that are naturally just there. You know, this one friend of mine, yeah, this one friend of mine um, actually had come to me a number of years ago um, at a go show to get a reading. And he was talking about his involvement with his paranormal group because he was part of a paranormal group. And I just looked at him. I said, you know, you need to be working as, all right, I said this and I don't say this unless I'm absolutely serious. You need to be working as a demonologist. And he just looked at me. I said, one, you see the stuff. And he goes, well, I kind of do. I go, no, you do. You just need to own that part. Um, I go, but you have that kind of energy. I mean, he's a loving, caring, compassionate person, but he also has very strong boundaries. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you, my hit on him was that he was a natural. I mean, he was just a natural, you know, and, and working with certain things, it's like dancing. Some people are just naturally good at it. Other people, not so much. And they need more training. And, so, and, and someone that is a natural, you know, they get some training and they're even better. And, and when you do find that natural, it's, it's almost like uh, there are people who you can tell are built for this, but they're reluctant to get involved in it. And you really can't force somebody either because they have to be at a point in their own life and in their own belief uh, that they feel like they're ready to jump into that. You can't bring them in with any kind of reluctance, I would think. No, I think that would be a huge, (laughs) that I think would be bad. Um, You know, pushing somebody into it because, I mean, especially if you're dealing with a demon, you know, they're not nice. You know, so why would you want to, I mean, that's like saying, here, why don't you go, you know, they're having like a gunfight over there. And why don't you just go over there and stop the fight without a gun or Kevlar vest or anything? You know, it, it would just be stupid. And it just it boggles my mind why people want to get into that side of things uh, when they feel like they want to do it because they think it's fun. That's uh, to me, that's almost unforgivable to to be into it for the thrill seeking aspect of it is uh, is is sad because you're going to not only hurt yourself, but you're probably going to hurt others, too. Yeah, I I concur. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, and just as a side note here, uh, we're, we're starting to get close to the actual uh, post time, I guess, for the Kentucky Derby. And uh, Orb is the favorite, uh, a horse called Orb. Oh, really? And I just want to say that I don't think Orb is going to win because I don't believe in Orbs. So that's that's my little two cents. Uh, But no, I mean, that would be, I I can just imagine. I don't think think Orb is going to win either. That's my little psychic hit on it. So don't bet on Orb. There you go. And you're getting any psychic hits on the winner? It's not too late to get my bookie on the other line. (laughs) But I'm sure we're going to be inundated tomorrow with some sort of internet meme about Orbs (laughs) all over Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, So we're we're in for that treat uh, tomorrow. When we're talking about going up against these uh, entities, if you feel, and as you said, normally if it's happening to you, you're the last person to think that it is. Uh, But if you do start to feel like something isn't right, that something's off, obviously people should get in touch with somebody such as yourself who can start getting them uh, onto the right path. But what 
kind of recommendations? You talked before about being able to do energy healing on them. What kind of work would you do to somebody that you think might be afflicted with an attached entity? Well, I mean, first is identifying that there really is an entity attachment. Um, And, you know, there are different levels and different layers that can happen. I mean, sometimes it can be a very simple process of just, you know, having the entity leave the person's space and go into the light. You know, I talked about the situation where I've had clients where their auric field was really weak and the entity really wasn't theirs, but they were being affected by it, which was annoying to them, you know. And so I, you know, they had to fix themselves so that they would become immune to the effect of this entity that belonged to someone else bugging them. Um You know, but when, you know, especially when dealing with someone who has had an entity since childhood, they can become so ingrained into our lives and into our thought process that it can be challenging to extradite them. I think that's the right word uh, from the whole situation. You know, there's a certain amount of fear. You know, there's a certain amount of subconscious stuff that happens. And for me, there really is a, a certain amount of psychology that has to happen, not only working with the client, but also working with the entity. Because sometimes you can do, and this is going to sound weird, energy work on the entity and do kind of like spiritual counseling with the entity to get them to move out. Wow. Or piss them off so that they don't really want to come around you anymore. I've done that too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to say I could imagine that would happen too. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, it's interesting that you say that because when you, it's almost like you look at these attached entities and you say, uh, you know, you don't belong here, get the heck out of here, but you don't take into account that they might going through something too there might be a reason why they've attached to a certain individual you know i believe that you know one an entity is a spirit that's died that has not made the transition to the other side and so they're earthbound and because they haven't gone through the life review process i mean that's a daniel brinkley thing you know or according to other people that have had near-death experiences um they haven't had a chance to let go of their baggage once they, you know, and once they get to the other side. And so they're still walking around with their stuff. And one of the biggest things that you see of people not making that transition is that they're scared because they think they're going to go downstairs versus upstairs. Right. You know, or they have a lot of, well, not regret, a lot of anger, a lot of, frustration you know if the entity that's attached to the person they don't know they're dead or they're scared um not because they're scared because they they lived a bad life but just that they're scared Mm -hmm. those ones are pretty easy to help transition They're, they're pretty easy it's the other ones that you know they were nasty in life they're going to be nasty in the afterlife but you know they're people and that have issues. And so that's how I deal with them is, you know, they have issues and you need to help them resolve the issues. Now, since their energy, they actually can work through them faster. Um, but I've had people that will call and make an appointment and I try to explain to them, you know, it's not necessarily a one-time thing. I mean, I've had that experience 
but the entities were not that deeply embedded in the person's psyche. I go, sometimes it takes a while because you have to kind of unwind and detangle what's going on so that the entity can move out. Is it possible that you can kind of trick them? Uh, into leaving? Can you kind of tell them that, uh, you know, you, you'll have better luck with somebody else? You know, this this person might be more attractive for you to uh, attach yourself to. Can you do that? And, and can you can you go beyond rationalization and just find uh, other ways to get them to leave the person alone? I mean, are there extreme measures that you can take if you need to? Um. I mean, saying, you know, well, that person looks like good feeding just <laughs> doesn't work. You know, <laughs> once, once they're hooked in, they're hooked in. Well, no, I mean, just from a, you know, integrity point of view, it's like, well, you see that guy walking down the street that I don't know. Well, I didn't mean, attach I didn't to him, you know, a specific person. Well, but I-, <laughs> I know. I mean, I have had a couple of cases in which it was more important for me to get the person to just detach Mm -hmm. from my client. And I didn't care if they went into the light, you know, you get to the point where it's like, fine, you don't want to go into the light. Just leave this person alone. Right. Just get off. Yeah. But in the same time, you're working with your client. And so you're helping them build their field, you know, and helping them to understand what's going on because there are things that will happen that will trigger the entity coming in your space in the first place. You know, because it's not at their whim. It is something will, well, it's kind of like the big button on the bat phone. Something will happen to the individual. They'll have an experience. They'll, they will experience a certain emotional energy or there will be some situation that will create an emotional place in them that kind of sends out the bat signal and calls the entity in. And so sometimes helping them to identify what those triggers are you know, and and not react mm-hmm. in their same old. So, uh, you know, if you, you know, like in high school or elementary school, you you would uh, be in gym class and, you know, you get picked. You know, you're always the last one getting picked and it left the scar in you that you're there's you're not good enough, you know, or you suck or whatever the emotion, the belief is that emotional scar. And you have that same type of situation happen where you're kind of overlooked or, you you know, you're at the end of the list. You know, it will create a response in you. But once you understand that that's what you're reacting to and you start healing that part, then you're not calling them in anymore. Sometimes they just get bored of you because they're not getting any play. <laughs> and, and this this is it might be a silly question, but. Would you ever, if somebody was in such desperate need to get rid of the entity uh, and there was nothing that you could do that was working, would you ever uh, consider offering yourself up to the entity in order to help someone heal from it? But see, the entity is there because that individual has an agreement with them. You can't just, like, give them away. Right, you but know, you, you couldn't have... offer yourself up to be more inviting to the entity, you know, and, and kind of be like... I don't hey, have... They come to you because you have something they want. They, ha- okay. they You have an energy that they're feeding off of or, or behavior that they're feeding off of. So unless we had matching issues, you know, I, I don't really have anything to offer them. So it's not necessarily just uh, the fact that they have an issue that the entity becomes uh, obsessed with, but it, it has to do with the particular issue. 
you know, and so if, you know, if the entity likes to feed off of victim energy, you know, the, the whiner, you know, it's like, well, why is it always happening to me? And, you know, if you can, you know, if you have that, then they'll be attracted to you or you can maybe get them upon them off on somebody else. Um, you know, so it really, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, I mean, cause one of the things that I believe, and I'll put it in a different frame, um, people that have like rage disorder, you know, like they're okay for a while and then something will happen and it will trigger them into such an emotional, angry outburst. It's actually the entity that steps in and takes over because if you ask them, and I don't know if you know anyone that has that behavior, ask them what just happened. Do you really remember anything? They black out during that. You know, or they they have a vague recollection. They know that they were there, but they really don't know what they said Mm -hmm. specifically. (laughs) You know, I mean, they're kind of their quasi. And it's because I believe that the entity comes in and pretty much takes over. Hmm. You know, and so that entity is not going to be interested in, you know, hooking up with someone that's a whiner. You know, they're going to want someone that is has the tendency to go into that rage. All right. Well, we are talking with Dr. Rita Louise. Why don't we take our final commercial break of the evening? When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more about these negative entities. And I do have a uh, an announcement to make here. I had mentioned uh, at the beginning of this hour that we were waiting to confirm uh, a special guest for next week. And uh, next week we will be joined by Amy Bruni from Ghost Hunters. So uh, she's been a longtime friend of our show even before she was on Ghost Hunters. So she will be joining us on Spooky South Coast next Saturday night at our regular 10 o'clock time slot. And uh, I think we're going to be getting off lucky on that one because the Red Sox have a 1 o'clock game. So we'll be able to actually start for sure at our regular time, uh, Bruins permitting. So we'll see what happens with that. We're going to take a break. When we come back again, we'll talk more about negative, uh, the negative side of the paranormal and attached entities with our guest, Dr. Rita Louise, during the break. If you want to check out her website, RitaLouise.com. Also go to WBSM.com. Go to the Spooky South Coast page, and you can find it on the blog there as well. Uh, and if you want to call in with your own questions, 508-996-0500, We'll be right back with more in just a few minutes here on Spooky South Coast. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. We've got about 20 minutes left in the program talking with our guest, Dr. Rita Louise. And you can check out her website, RitaLouise.com. That's the way to find out about all of her works. Uh, Her books include Man Made, The Chronicles of Our Extraterrestrial Gods, Dark Angels, An Insider's Guide to Ghost Spirits, and Attached Entities, which is the one that we're talking about tonight. Uh, Avoiding the Cosmic 2x4. Is that literally like a 2x4, Dr. Rita? Like getting whacked upside the head with one? That's the idea. Awesome. And because uh, uh, th- there's two things that can whack a two-by-four at your head like you wouldn't believe. That would be uh, the Cosmos and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the, the wrestler. <laughs> so. And uh, also uh, – Well, I, I haven't experienced him, but I have experienced the Cosmos personally. Hitting you with a two-by-four? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, and you know, does it leave a mark? No, but you do walk around going, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> 
And uh, your other books uh, include uh, The Power Within, and uh, you also have uh, some, some CDs as well. It, it sounds like, uh, you know, from all the different uh, published works that you have and all the interviews that you can see on your website and, and of course, uh, your own radio show and, and your frequent re- radio appearances, uh, there's a lot on your website that people can find out about themselves uh, if they take the time to, to check it out. Exactly. And can I just throw this out? I mean, RitaLouise.com is one of my, I have so many, uh, just one of my websites, um, my primary website where it actually even more stuff is, is www.soulhealer.com. That's S-O-U-L-H-E-A-L-E-R.com, soulhealer.com. And there's even more stuff because I don't keep the Rita Louise site up that well. Okay. <laughs> so the other one is, is my primary one. And there's articles and YouTube videos and a complete line of like herbs and supplement. It's, it's jam packed. It's like 700 pages long. And I'm looking at the upcoming editions of just energy radio, which airs Thursdays from eight to 10 uh, on your website. And it just, it's a who's who of all different types of topics in the paranormal. You have a uh, Russell Targ coming on Jim Stein, who was on our show recently, Michael Cremo. Uh, you have our good friend, Kathy Martin coming up. It just seems like you explore every topic, you know, the same as we do here. You know, you don't get tied into to, to just one thing. It seems like you have an interest in exploring all aspects of the paranormal world. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I throw out one more thing? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I have some stuff coming up that I would like an opportunity to talk about. But I wanted people to know that my Dark Angels book, An Insider's Guide to Ghost Spirits and Attached Entities, has just been released in a Kindle format. It only took us a a long time to get that around to that. I didn't know how easy it was. Yeah, it's uh, surprisingly. And the good thing about that is uh, when you put it out there, you'll find that people who decided to stop picking up books years ago uh, love having the, the technology in their hands and, and they've started reading again. So you're going to find a whole new audience uh, of people just through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love my Kindle. So I, I actually, I had the Nook for a while and uh, when I got a new tablet, it kind of incorporated all the same things. And I got to tell you, it is definitely the future. I, as much as I love to hold a book in my hands, I love even more to be able to click on something within the book and have it open up a YouTube video and explain to me further what it's talking about or, or to link to other works. It's, it's fascinating how much deeper you can get into the experience uh, through these ebooks. Well, I mean, one of the things that I love about my Kindle, I mean, other than I have a tablet and I try have tried using it to read and it burns my eyeballs up. So I gave that up. Um, but one of the things that I love about the Kindle, other than it doesn't burn my eyeballs up, which is always a good thing, um, right. is that you can like highlight stuff in there and then it will save it to a file. And I mean, I'm constantly researching. I mean, if you go on my site, you'll understand I'm constantly researching and so I can, like, read a book or whatever and highlight this stuff and then, like, print out a little report of all the stuff that I found important and not have 500 pages laying around on my desk of my research. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, makes things easier. When when I was researching uh, 
for my book on on Ghosts of the South Coast and a lot of local history, uh, there was a whole bunch of Liz, Lizzie Borden documentation uh, that I was using, and I had uh, the book, the Lizzie Borden source book, which has every newspaper article, and uh, there's all these different academic papers involved, and it's so much easier to just have somebody send you a, a PDF file and to have all that in there, and you can just kind of scroll through it right on the computer. Although mm-hmm. my my desk is still a mess anyway, but it's not from research; it's just from I throw everything on it. You get you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that I know where I keep my tablet, or else it would get buried under the mountain of junk. Well, see, my desk, other than being a mess, I also get the cats, plural, and sometimes the dog all on, and I'll have this little like sleep fest, and I'm like, I don't need to work, and yeah. and if I get up, then they all want to get off. They're, they're a different kind of attached entity, <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> I do, and and there's times that I do, uh, you know, radio appearances on other people's shows from my home office, and I'm sitting there with my headset mic, and all you can hear is my cat in the background, uh, meowing because why am I in the room and not paying attention to him? <laughs> so you said that you had some other things that you wanted to talk about. What, what else do you have coming up? Okay, so um, in I have to think about the second two weeks is the Granbury Paranormal Expo uh, in Granbury, Texas, which is a cool little town. And um, and it's a really it was actually I went there last year, last year, and it was a really good event. And um, Dennis Balthizer, um, who's a UFO guy, talks about um, Roswell is their keynote speaker for the event. And they have a couple of other speakers. I'll be there doing readings all day, selling books, hanging out, doing my regular thing. Um, so that's next weekend or in two weeks, the 18th. And then if people are in the Dallas area, I'm going to be doing a book signing for my new book, Man Made the Chronicles of Our Extraterrestrial Gods at the Barnes and Noble in Plano off of 15th Avenue, right next door to the Starbucks. Oh, perfect. That's always a draw to me. <laughs> That's how I get my husband to do anything. I'm like, well, you know, if we tomorrow we could like go do this and this and this, I go, and you know, it's right next to Starbucks. And uh, so I, got- I can always get him to do that. I got an email earlier this week about the uh, the Granbury Ghosts and Legends uh, event, and it's uh, coming up, as you said, on Saturday, May 18th from 10 to 5 at the Granbury Conference Center. Open to the public for just a $5 admission fee. To find out more information, go to www.granberryparanormalexpo.com or email Coletta at Granbury Ghosts. That's G-R-A-N-B-U-R-Y, granberryghosts at gmail.com. So, uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you can go out and get together with a lot of like-minded individuals, uh, a good time always ensues, but I always find, too, that uh, I find when you get together, that's where the ideas pop up. It's not always in the field that people are like, hey, let's try this. It's when people get together at these conferences and events and they say, you know what we should try next time we're out there. And and that's how you get a lot of these uh, new approaches to the paranormal. Sorry. Wasn't paying attention. That's fine. Nope. <laughs> Nobody. It's is. like I'm not supposed to look at the chat room because then I get all sucked into it. I have this computer entity attachment that says, "Look at the chat room. Look at the chat room." I, I do the same thing, and nor- <laughs> normally I don't have to worry about the chat room because you know the other guys are here and they'll let me know if there's a question. But tonight, I'm trying to pay attention to it. I keep looking over there, and once I see Low Battery Dave in there, I'm like, "Well, I'm going to just start paying attention to what Low Battery Dave says." Uh-huh. And normally he asks some great questions, though, so it's worth paying attention. Now, uh, do you have a, another book that you're working on currently? Um, I am. Actually, I 
I have so many projects going on. But wait, one last other announcement. Sure. So I'm also going to be in New York in June doing a little a little micro uh, book signing tour. I'm going to be in New Paul's, New York. See, I'll be right by you. I'll be in New Paul's, New York on the 21st and in Albany, New York um, on the 22nd. Well, that's a So see, you'll have schedule. to like drive drive over. Well, we from Massachusetts. We we, uh, we have a perfect little corner of the paranormal world over here that we've got to get one of these events happening down this way so that we can bring all of our friends from across the country here and not only can you come and and speak to our local audience but you can also check out some of our awesome historic haunts. Uh, I mean, how often can you get in and investigate a tavern that was built in 1690? Wow. And That's it's cool. It's crazy. It's got all kinds of activity. And, and I could just imagine uh, the attached entities that might need some help at the Lizzie Boyd in Bed and Breakfast. I'd like to get you in there and, <laughs> and see your take on that. Because I can tell you that what I deal with there, and I've, I've talked about this on the show before, what I deal with there is not, in my opinion, the ghost of the Bordens. Uh, it is something that is much darker. And I don't go out on a limb and call it demonic, but it's definitely a negative entity. Uh, and I always thought, as long as I leave it here, I'm safe. Uh, that mm-hmm. it, it can't get me if I'm outside of this building. And then we were at another one of our events using a, a Frank's box device. And it actually spoke through the device to me and told me that it was the entity from Lizzie Borden's. So I guess it can reach out and follow me around. But thankfully, it hasn't attached itself to me. To you personally. You know, it just makes me wonder if, I mean, I haven't really, you know, investigated uh you know, the Lizzie Borden house. But when you hear about places like that, it just makes me wonder, is that house built on some kind of vortex? And that, and you know, and, and then negative spirits have just kind of gotten stuck there. A, a lot of people uh, who research those things, uh, they will say that there is a vortex there. Uh, a few people have actually, uh, one of our loyal listeners too, uh, she's actually taken photos of the vortex there. So it's not. See, I'm so smart. You Maybe are. I'm just really psychic. I don't know. It, well, if you are, you know, then you want to start pursuing that as an avenue to make money because <laughs> that's what everybody's oh, that's reading all what these I, bikes to do. All these books. That's to do. what I do full time. I mean, a medical intuitive. Maybe you don't know. A medical intuitive is a psychic person that talks about health. Exactly. And when you do that, uh, uh, and this is something that I I know that I asked you the the previous time that we had you on, but l- let's just touch upon this topic uh, quickly before we let you go here tonight. That's a very different thing than just going to a psychic who tells you you know you might want to get your your health looked at. I'm I'm sensing that there's something wrong with your health. Being a medical intuitive is a lot more involved than that. Oh, I mean, exactly. Um, I mean, when I work with clients, they come to me and I'm, they have their laundry list of health things. And I am able to do things like look at their liver and see if there's congestion, congestion going on, evaluate their gallbladder to see, you know, do they have gallstones? Is there some kind of issue with the organs, glands and tissues in the body? And then, you know, give them inf- information back as to what's going on. Um, for me personally, you know, there are some people that all they want to do is scan your body and just go blah, 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 blah. That's what I'm usually you know? doing. I'm scanning people's bodies, but, yeah, oh, you mean in yeah, the yeah, 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 I'm not even going to touch that one. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I'm more of a problem solver just by nature. And my feeling is, is if you have an owie, 
You already know where your owie is, so why do I have to find it? Just tell me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be a mind reader. You know where it hurts, you know, or what your symptoms are. So just tell me what your symptoms are, and let's go from there, and let's get into some meat. Let's let's try to resolve the problem. Ooh, it's Bitsy, the poodle with the tinfoil hat, was, wanting to join the show. I was going to ask you how Bitsy's doing. She is great. You know, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I have a Facebook page, obviously, and um, she's been going on adventures. There's the uh, tinfoil hat Moai on Easter Island, and then there is the poodle face in Tiwanaku, Peru. Uh, We discovered what the original uh, head of the Sphinx looks like. It looks like a poodle in a tinfoil hat. And uh, I, I remember when uh, we, we had you on the show the first time, and we talked about uh, this book that we're discussing tonight, and we talked about your work, and then all of a sudden, uh, I think it was maybe like six months later, uh, Bitsy's photo starts showing up in the tinfoil hat trying to get more likes than Glenn Beck. And <laughs> it, it, it somehow it just happened across my radar that it was your dog. And so we had you back on to talk about that, and I think that your dog might be now more well-known than you are. She is, and I hate it. At her peak, <laughs> at her peak, she had 280,000 Facebook fans. Wow. She made the made Entertainment Weekly magazine print edition. I mean, she just had this little thing about, you know, Facebook pages that have gone viral. And um and I mean, if you look up uh Poodle in a Tinfoil Hat, She's been blogged about. I mean, not recently. They're from 2010, but she's been blogged about all over the place. She's a superstar, a freaking superstar. Now she has her own web page. Wow. Poodle in a tinfoil hat.com. And, and so have you uh, been able to get more likes? You know, have you have you matched her up with with other uh, you know, famous people and, and try to see if she can beat them out? Because, you know, I, I'd much rather pay attention to Bitsy than I would like Justin Bieber. Well, I mean, that whole thing wasn't even my creation. You know, it just so happened that the guy stole the picture of my dog. (laughs) And, you know, but now it's copywritten. And and what people don't understand is, you know, the the dog has to wear the tinfoil hat to keep the signals out, right? That's right. Exactly. And, um, well, you know, and other people wear the tinfoil hat. And actually, I was talking about that Granberry show and... Dennis Balfizer hates tinfoil hats. He thinks it's very degrading to UFO people. And that's how the whole thing started was because I was wearing a tinfoil hat at a UFO conference. It was the 60th anniversary for the Roswell uh, crash. And I was in a booth next door to Dennis Balfizer, and he gave me such a bad time about my tinfoil hat. But I got six media interviews out of it, so I was okay with it. And um, so, you know, Bitsy had to have a tinfoil hat, too, so she got a tinfoil hat. And then a few years later, I was at a conference. It was a a UFO conference, and they had a Bitsy tinfoil hat uh, contest where they had people make tinfoil hats, and they entered them in to be judged. And it so turned out that Dennis Balfizer was the MC of this event. And so, of course, I had to tell everyone how much he hated tinfoil hats. Uh, when they were doing the judging part. And um, and so now he's going to be in Granbury, and I keep debating, do I wear my tinfoil hat? Well, and I think I there's know. some people feel like the hat 
increases the ability to communicate. Some people feel like with alien entities, and some people feel like it uh, it blocks you from being able to communicate with alien entities. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on it? Do you feel the tinfoil? Because uh, it works really well on, on the busted up radio I use at my day job. All I know is that Bitsy looks too cute in it. That's all that you matters. Know? That's all that really matters. Hey, you've, you've got her. Uh, I love the picture of her standing in front of the American flag. And, you know, that that's what America is all about. Poodles in tinfoil hats. You know, I think that if everybody had a poodle in a tinfoil hat, we would have a much happier world. I'm actually going to go home now and make one for my dog. She's a she's a Bassador, which is just a Bassett fancy word. hound Labrador. Fancy way of saying mutt. Okay, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make sure that I fashion her one because you know she looks pretty good when I put her in like the Saint Saint Patrick's Day hat and the Halloween masks and all that. So, you know, well I'll have to get her the tinfoil hat because I don't know what kind of signal she's picking up because she is nuts. <laughs> well, maybe she has an attached entity. Maybe, or maybe she's just nuts. <laughs> I need one of those uh, one of those pet healers, you know, like you see on on Animal Planet. I need to su- subscribe her up to one of those shows because uh, it's gone beyond what I can do. Maybe, maybe though, the problem is maybe I'm just not as empathetic to her craziness as I should be. Well, we'll have to talk off air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we want to thank you, Dr. Rita, for joining us. Uh, we always enjoy talking with you. It's always fun. And... I'm amazed, too, that you have this legion of followers. And, of course, I was getting emails all week uh, saying, you know, is there a way that you can replace the video of your faces with Dr. Rita for the whole show? And uh, I think we did that successfully. I I, I was able to bring your photo in uh, quite a bit. So to all the listeners that wanted to see Dr. Rita, hopefully you got your fix. And uh, also, uh, I want to thank you for doing this work and and for sharing this information with us. Uh, it, It goes without saying that, you know, somebody needs to, to keep an eye on these negative entities and make sure that everybody that goes into haunted locations with, you know, EMF detectors blazing, uh, that they need to be aware that there are dangers out there. So thank you for the work that you do. And hopefully you'll join us again sometime soon and talk to us more. That would be great. Well, maybe we can talk about the new book. See, I didn't know that you did other stuff. We do everything here. If I it's, didn't know that. If it's strange and unusual, it's Spooky South Coast. Cool. All right. We'll have to send you the new book. Excellent. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. That is Dr. Rita Louise. Again, you can check out her websites, soulhealer.com and uh, also ritaluise.com. I have the uh, Rita Louise website linked up to spookysouthcoast.com, but I'll even change that uh, to Soul Camera so that we can have it be uh, a little bit more uh, updated with all the information that she was talking about. Uh, during the interview. Uh, We want to thank you all for joining us here during this special primetime edition of the show. We'll be back next week at 10 p.m. Eastern time to talk more with you about the paranormal when our guest will be Amy Bruni from Ghost Hunters. And so you don't want to miss that. We're going to talk a lot about her travels and her investigations and what it's like to be uh, a paranormal uh, personality out there and uh, trying to keep your private life separate because Amy recently became a mother and we will be talking to her on the eve of uh, what I believe is her first Mother's Day. So uh, it's an honor that she can join us for that. So stay tuned for that next Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Follow along with us all week long. SpookySouthCoast.com WBSM slash Spooky Dash South Coast. If you want to be able to 
check out my blog there. Well, I'll put the YouTube video up. And I'll also be putting up some of the audio from my morning show. I want to see you all back here next Saturday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. as we have some fun every Saturday morning. And uh, also, of course, Saturday nights for Spooky South Coast. See, that's how much I love talking to all you folks, that I'm willing to begin and end my day here talking with you on WBSM. So we will talk to you next week. Until then, from Matt Moniz, from Matt Costa, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg, and we want you all to stay spooktacular.